Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, aka The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and give my podcast five stars. Also, follow me on all of my social media platforms. The Gratitude Chick for both Instagram and Facebook, Gratitude underscore Chick for Twitter, and on TikTok, Babes Who Manifest. Also, for all of my reading babes, check out the new reading merch on the website, www.bwmmerch.com. and welcome back to your reading corner with the gratitude chick so we are still on in the alchemist and we are about 63 percent and that's what my kindle tells me so we are going to keep plugging away and see what is going on with the boy as he continues on his quest to find his personal legend okay so let's start off Oh, as a reminder, um, I do read with my own commentary, so uh, just be aware. You don't have to agree, but it is my commentary that I provide. The following night, the boy appeared at the alchemist's tent with a horse. The alchemist was ready, and he mounted his own steed and placed the falcon on his left shoulder. He said to the boy, show me where there is life out in the desert. Only those who can see such signs of life are able to find treasure. They begin to ride out over the sands with the moon lighting their way. I don't know if I'll be able to find life in the desert, the boy thought. I don't know the desert that well yet. He wanted to say so to the alchemist, but he was afraid of the man. They reached the rocky place where the boy had seen the hawks in the sky. But now there was only silence and the wind. I don't know how to find life in the desert, the boy said. I know that there is life here, but I don't know where to look. Life attracts life, the alchemist answered. And then the boy understood. He he loosened the reins on his horse, who galloped forward over the rocks and sand. The alchemist followed as the boy's horse ran for almost half an hour. They could no longer see the palms of of the oasis, only the gigantic moon above them and its silver reflections from the stones of the desert. Suddenly, for no apparent reason, the boy's horse began to slow. There's life here, the boy said to the alchemist. I don't know the language of the desert, but my horse knows the language of life. They dismounted and the alchemist said nothing. Advancing slowly, they searched among the stones. The alchemist stopped abruptly and bent to to the ground. There was a hole there among the stones. The alchemist put his hand into the hole and then his entire arm up to his shoulder. Something was moving there and the alchemist's eyes, the boy could see only his eyes, squinted with his effort. His arm seemed to be battling with whatever was in the hole. Then when a motion that startled the boy, he withdrew his arm and leaped to his feet. In his hand, he grasped a snake by the tail. The boy leaped away as well um, from the alchemist. The snake fought frantically, making hissing sounds that shattered the silence of the desert. It was a cobra whose venom could kill a person in minutes. Watch out for his venom, the boy said. 
But even though the alchemist had put his hand in the hole and had surely already been bitten, his expression was calm. The alchemist is 200 years old, the Englishman had told him. He must know how to deal with snakes of the desert. The boy watched as his companion went to his horse and withdrew a scimitar. I probably didn't pronounce that right. With its blade, he drew a circle in the sand and there, and then he placed the snake within it. The serpent relaxed immediately. Not to worry, said the alchemist. He won't leave the circle. You found life in the desert, the omen that I needed. Why was this, that so important? Because the pyramids are surrounded by the desert. The, the boy didn't want to talk about the pyramids. His heart was heavy and he had been melancholy since the previous night. To continue his search for the treasure meant that he had to abandon Fatima. I'm going to guide you across the desert, the, the alchemist said. I want to stay at the oasis, the boy answered. I found Fatima, and as far as I'm concerned, she's worth more than treasure. Fatima is a woman of the desert, said the alchemist. She knows that men have to go away in order to return, and she already has her treasure. It's you. Now, she expects that you will find what it is you're looking for. Well, what if I decide to stay? Let me tell you what will happen. You'll be the counselor of the oasis. You have enough gold to buy many sheep and many camels. You'll marry Fatima and you'll both be happy for a year. You'll learn to love the desert and you'll get to know every one of the 50,000 palms. You'll watch them as they grow, demonstrating how the world is always changing. And you'll get better and better at understanding omens because the desert is the best teacher there is. Sometime during the second year, you'll remember about that treasure. The omens will begin insistently to speak of it, and you'll try to ignore them. You'll use your, no your knowledge for the welfare of the oasis and its inhabitants. The tribal chieftains will appreciate what you do, and your camels will bring you wealth and power. During the third year, the omens will continue to speak of your treasure and your personal legend. You'll walk around night after night at the oasis and Fatima will be unhappy because she'll feel it was she who interrupted your quest. But you will love her and she'll return your love. You'll remember that you never asked, that she never asked you to stay because a woman of the desert knows that she must await for her man. So you won't blame her, but many times you'll walk the sands of the desert thinking that maybe you could have left that you could have trusted more in your love for Fatima. But because what kept you at the o oasis was your own fear that you might never come back. At that point, the omens will tell you that your treasure is buried forever. Then sometime during the fourth year, the omens will abandon you because you stopped listening to them. The tribal chieftains will see that you see that and you'll be dismissed from your position as counselor but by then you'll be a rich merchant with many camels and a great deal of merchandise you'll spend the rest of your days knowing that you didn't pursue your personal legend and that now it's too late you must understand that love never keeps a man from pursuing his personal le legend if he abandons that pursuit it's because it wasn't true love the love that speaks the language of the world so <clears throat> No, I'm gonna. I'm not. I, you know, I was caught up because it keeps saying, um, you know, referring to this as just a male pursuit, and I just want to encourage everyone that's listening that 
we all have a personal legend to pursue, not just men, you know. But I understand the tone of the book and when it was written. So, but I just wanted to, you know, make that clear that women also pursue your dreams as well. The alchemist erased the circle in the sand and the snake slithered away among the rocks. The boy remembered the crystal merchant who had always wanted to go to Mecca and the Englishman in search of the alchemist. He thought of the woman who had trusted in the desert and he looked out over the desert that had brought him to the woman he loved. They mounted their horses and this time it was the boy who followed the alchemist back to the oasis. The wind brought the sounds of the oasis to them and the boy tried to hear Fatima's voice, but that night as he had watched the cobra within the circle, the strange horseman with the falcon on his shoulder had spoken of love and treasure of the women of the desert and of his personal legend. I'm going with you, the boy said, and he immediately felt peace in his heart. We'll leave tomorrow before sunrise, was the alchemist's only response. The boy, the boy spent a sleepless night two hours before dawn, he awoke one of the boys who slept in his tent and asked him to show him where Fatima lived. They went to her tent and the boy gave his friend enough gold to buy a sheep. Then he asked his friend to go into the, the tent where Fatima was sleeping and to awaken her and tell her that he was at, waiting outside. The young Arab did as he was asked and was given enough gold to buy yet another sheep. Now leave us alone, said the boy to the young Arab. The, young, the Arab returned to his tent to sleep, proud to have helped the counselor of the oasis and happy at having enough money to buy himself some sheep. Fatima appeared at the entrance of the tent. The two t walked out among the palms. The boy knew that it was a violation of the tradition, but that didn't matter to him now. I'm going away, he said, and I want you to know that I'm coming back. I love you because... Don't say anything, Fatima interrupted. One is loved because one is loved. No reason is needed for loving. But the boy continued, I had a dream and I met with the king. I sold crystal and crossed the desert and because the tribes declared war, I went to the well seeking the alchemist. So I love you because the entire universe conspired to help me find you. Wow, that's deep. That is deep, guys. He literally told her he loved her because the universe conspired to help him find her. He was set on the merchant's daughter, if you guys remember at the beginning of the book in part one. His idea was to go and marry this, the merchant's daughter. So he already set in his mind that he wanted to get married, right? So instead of him marrying the merchant's daughter, the entire universe heard him heard his heart and heard his mind that he wanted to get married but instead of settling for the merchant's daughter the universe conspired together to find him the love of his life that's deep when you think of it that is really deep I, and I, I feel like it's it's a testament of having patience in the dream that you set for yourself the goals that you set for yourself because he could have settled with the merchant's daughter. He loved her. But this woman was a better love. One that I've never experienced before. But one that the, the, the books talk about and, you know, movies are made about. This is the kind of love that he has for this woman. 
So I thought it was pertinent to point that out because just simply because of what he says, he loves her because the universe conspired to help him find her. That's that's so deep to me. The two embraced. It was the first time either had touched the other. I'll be back, the boy said. Before this, I always looked to the desert with longing, said Fatima. Now it will be with hope. My father went away one day, but he returned to my mother, and he has always come back since then. They said nothing else. They walked a bit further among the palms, and then the boy left her at the entrance to her tent. I'll return just as your father came back to your mother, he said. He saw that Fatima's eyes were filled with tears. You're crying. I'm a woman of the desert, she said, averting her face. But above all, I'm a woman. Fatima went back to her tent, and when daylight came, she went out to do the chores she had done for years. But everything had changed. The boy was no longer at the oasis, and the oasis would never again have the same meaning it had had only yesterday. It would no longer be a place with 50,000 palm trees and 300 wells where the pilgrims arrived relieved at the end of their long journeys from that day on the oasis would be an empty place for her from that day on it it was the desert that would be important she would look to it every day and would try to guess which star the boy was following in search of his treasure she would have to send her kisses on the wind hoping that the wind would touch the boy's face and would tell him that she was alive that she was waiting for him, a woman awaiting a courageous man in search of his treasure. From from that day on, the desert would represent only one thing to her, the hope for his return. Don't think about what you've left behind, the alchemist said to the boy as they began to ride across the sands of the desert. Everything is written in the soul of the world, and there, there it will stay forever. Men dream more about coming home than about leaving, the boy said. He was already reaccustomed to the desert silence. If what one finds is made of pure matter, it will never spoil. And one can always come back. If what you have found was only a moment of light, like the explosion of a star, you would find nothing on your return. The man was speaking the language of alchemy, but the boy knew that he was referring to Fatima. It was difficult not to think about what he had left behind. The desert, with its endless monotony, put him into, I'm sorry, put him to dreaming. The boy could still see the palm trees, the wells, and the face of the woman he loved. He could see the Englishman at his experiments and the camel driver, who was a teacher, without realizing it. Maybe the alchemist had never been in love, the boy thought. The alchemist rode in front of him with the falcon on his shoulder. The bird knew the language of the desert well, and whenever they stopped, he flew off in search of game. On the first day, he returned with a rabbit, and on the second day, with two birds. At night, they spread their sleeping gear and kept their fires hidden. The desert nights were cold and were becoming darker and darker as the phases of the moon passed. They went on for a week, speaking only of the precautions they needed to follow in order to avoid the battles between the tribes. The war continued, and at the time, and at times, the wind carried the sweet, sickly smell of blood. Battles had been fought near nearby, and the wind reminded the boy that there was the language of omens, always ready to show him what his eyes had failed to observe. On the seventh day, the alchemist decided to make camp earlier than usual. 
The falcon flew off to find game, and the alchemist offered his water container to the boy. You are almost at the end of your journey, said the alchemist. I congratulate you for having pursued your personal legend. And you told me nothing along the way, said the boy. I thought you were going to teach me some of the things you know. A while ago, I rode through the desert with the man who had books on alchemy, but I wasn't able to learn anything from them. There is only one way to learn, the alchemist answered. It's through action. Everything you need to know, you have learned through your journey. That's deep. It says, there's only one way to learn, and it's through action. It is through action. And and, and you know what? That is that is um like an aha moment for me. You can't sit still and think you will learn. You have to put your faith in action, your belief in action, your trust in action. Keeping it bottled up and inside and just, you know, repeating affirmations is well and good. But in order to learn, in order to complete the task and learn the lesson, you have to put it in action. That is a huge aha moment for me. Okay. Let's see. Everything you need to know, you have learned through your journey. You need to learn only one more thing. The boy wanted to know what that was, but the alchemist was searching the horizon looking for the falcon. Why are you called the alchemist? Because that's what I am. And what went wrong when other alchemists tried to make gold and were unable to do so? They were looking only for gold, his companion answered. They were seeking the treasure of their personal legend without wanting actually to live out the personal legend. Ooh, that is deep. So, in essence, he's saying that the reason why... um, the other alchemists aren't called the alchemists is because they were only seeking the treasure of their goals without actually living their goals. Are you guys getting this? He said they were seeking the treasure of their personal legend, aka their goals, without wanting to actually live out their personal legends or their goals. So think about the goals that you have. Are you want are these goals set up so that you can only get the money, the treasure or whatever is the end goal or are you wanting to live out your goals? That's deep. And for me, I would say that I want both. I so I, I remember, I want to say it was either Steve Harvey or Oprah who said, one of them said, find something that you love to do and figure out how to make money from it. And another one said, it may not have been them, it may have been some other person that I read or listened to. And it was basically saying, if if what it is that you love to do, you would do for free, that is basically your goal, your Whatever it is that you want to do with your life, that is it. And when I was looking around, everything that I love to do, because I'm a person, you know, have you ever heard of the saying, jack of all trades, 
I am a jack of all trades. I pretty much can do anything. And I can like what what it is that I do. Um, what I've done for as my career, I like it. It's not what I love, though. It's not what I want to do. And so when I think about is there something that I love to do that I give my time and attention to and I would do it for free? And th- there is one thing that is this right here, creating my podcast, recording for my podcast. I do it for free now. I don't get paid to, to do this. I currently, I have found something that I love to do and I'm trying to figure out how to make money from it. But currently, I do all of this recording for free. This is my time and my attention. I do all of this for free. So, mm, I feel that I have found my personal legend. And I am actually trying my best to live out the personal legend. Not live through it. Not live at the end of it, but live out, like live it, like currently live in it. And I feel like it is kind of um, the middle of a circle. And you know how you go and place a dot in the middle and then you draw and draw into their bunch of rings. I feel that that's where I am right now in that middle, that small little dot, because I feel like this podcast can be so much more. But right now, I'm just finding it. So I'm right there in the middle. What is it that I still need to know? The boy asked. But the alchemists continue to look to the horizon. And finally, the falcon returned with their, their meal. They dug a hole and lit their fire into it so that the light of the flames would not be seen. I'm an alchemist simply because I'm an alchemist, he said as he prepared the meal. I learned the science from my grandfather who learned from his father and so on back to the creation of the world. In those times, the masterwork could be written simply by an emerald. But men began to reject simple things and to write tracts, interpretations, and philosophical studies. They also began to feel that they knew a better way than others had. Yet the emerald tablet is still alive today. What was written on the emerald tablet, the boy wanted to know. The alchemist began to draw in the sand and completed his drawing in less than five minutes. As he drew, the boy thought of the old king in the plaza where they had met that day. It seems as if he had it had taken place years and years ago. This is what is written on the emerald tablet, said the alchemist when he had finished. The boy tried to read what was written in the sand. It's a code, said the boy, a bit disappointed. It looks like what I saw in the Englishman's books. No, the alchemist answered. It's like the flight of those two hawks. It can't be understood by reason alone. The emerald tablet is a direct passage to the soul of the world. The wise man understood that this natural world is only an image and a copy of paradise. The existence of the world is simply a guarantee that there exists a world that is perfect. God created the world so that through its visible objects, men could understand his spiritual teachings and the marvels of his wisdom. That's what I mean by action. Should I understand the emerald tablet, the boy said? The boy asked, perhaps if you were in a laboratory of alchemy, 
this will be the right time to study the best way to understand the emerald tablet but you are in the desert so immerse yourself in it the desert will give you an understanding of the world in fact anything on the face of the earth will do that you don't have to understand the desert all you have to do is contemplate a simple grain of sand and you will see it in all the marvels of the creation how do i immerse myself in the desert Listen to your heart. It knows all things but because it came from the soul of the world and it will one day return there. They crossed the desert for another two days in silence. The alchemists had become much more cautious because they were approaching the area where the most violent battles were being waged. As they moved along, the boy tried to listen to his heart. It was not easy to do. In earlier times, his heart had always been ready to tell its story. But lately, that wasn't true. There have been times when his heart spent hours telling of its sadness, and at other times, it became so emotional over the desert sunrise that the boy had to hide his tears. His heart beat faster when it spoke to the boy of treasure, and more slowly when the boy started entran- stared in trance at the endless horizons of the desert. But his heart was never quiet, and even when the boy and the alchemist have fallen into silence. Why do we always have to listen to our hearts, the boy asked, when they had made camp that day. Because wherever your heart is, that is where you'll find your treasure. But my heart is agitated, the boy said. It has its dreams. It gets emotional and it's become passions. And it's become a passionate over a woman of the desert. It asks things of me and it keeps me from sleeping many nights when I'm thinking about her. And this reminds me of a scripture that says in Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And I think what the reason why it reminds me of that is because what he's saying is basically his heart is is not his heart is basically against him right now. Because of his emotions, he can't basically pinpoint um, where his treasure is because his emotions have them all scattered around. And I think that's what the Bible means when it says it's desperately wicked because when you when your emotions are so all over the place, up and down, up and down, up and down, you can, you know, feel anything, you can, you know, think anything, and, and it leads you to so many different consequences. So I, I definitely agree with that, and I believe this is definitely... Um, kind of what the Bible meant when it said that the heart is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. Well, that's good. Your heart is alive. Keep listening to what it has to say. During the next three days, the two travelers passed by a number of armed tribesmen and saw others on the horizon. The boy's heart began to speak of fear. It told him stories it had heard from the soul of the world stories of men who sought to find their treasure and never succeeded. Sometimes it frightened the boy with the idea that he might not find his treasure or that he might die there in the desert. At other times, it told the boy that it was satisfied. It had found love and riches. My heart is a traitor, said the boy. And again, points back to that scripture in the Bible that says the heart is des- the heart is deceitful above all and desperately wicked. And he has figured that out because he said his heart is a traitor. Why? Because your heart 
I think is the most feeling part of your body. And it is a traitor to you. It will beat in tandem when you don't want it to beat that hard. Like, why? Why? Why, why am I nervous right now? Like, things like that. I know you guys have thought that. So I, I definitely understand what he's saying. Um, let's see. My heart is a traitor, the boy said to the alchemist when they had paused to rest the horses. It doesn't want me to go on. That makes sense, the alchemist answered. Naturally, it's afraid that in pursuing your dream, you might lose everything you've won. Well, then why should I listen to my heart? Because you will never again be able to keep it quiet. Even if you pretend not to have heard what it tells you, it will always be there inside you, repeating to you what you're thinking about life and about the world. You mean I should listen even if it's treasonous? Treason is a blow that comes unexpectedly. If you know your heart well, it will never be able to do that to you because you'll know its dreams and wishes and will know how to deal with them. You will never be able to escape from your heart, so it's better to listen to what it has to say. That way, you'll never have to fear an unanticipated blow. Hmm. The boy continued to listen to his heart as they crossed the desert. He came to understand its dodges and tricks and to accept it as it was. He lost his fear and forgot about his need to go back to the oasis because one afternoon his heart told him that it was happy. Even though I complain sometimes, it said, it's because I'm the heart of a person and people's hearts are that way. People are afraid to pursue their most important dreams because they feel that they don't deserve them or that they'll be unable to achieve them. We, their hearts, become fearful just thinking of loved ones who go away forever or of moments that they could have been good but weren't or of the treasure that might have been found but were forever hidden in the sands. Because when these things happen, we suffer terribly. My heart is afraid that it will it will have to suffer, the boy told the alchemist one night as they looked up at the moonless sky. Tell your heart, your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself and that no heart has ever suffered when it goes in search of its dreams because every second of the search is a second encounter with God and with eternity. Every second of the search is an encounter with God, the boy told his heart. When I have been truly searching for my treasure, every day has been luminous because I've known that every hour was a part of the dream that I would find it. When I have been only, uh, when I have been truly searching for my treasure, I've discovered things along the way that I never should have seen had I not had the courage to try things that seemed impossible for a shepherd to achieve. So his heart was quiet for an entire afternoon. That night, the boy slept deeply, and when he awoke, his heart began to tell him things that came from the soul of the world. It said that all people who are happy have God within them. Amen. And that happiness could be found in a grain of sand from the desert. As the alchemist has said, because a grain of sand is a moment of creation and the universe has taken millions of years to create it, everyone on earth has a treasure that awaits him. His heart said, we people's hearts seldom say much about those treasures because people no longer want to go in search of them. That's deep. And if you think about it, when was the last time you and your friends sat down 
and talked about being in search of your goals, your dreams, your hopes, and your wishes. Most of your friends or, you know, family members only think about getting through the day, through the month, you know, through the year. A lot of people don't sit down thinking to themselves, let me go in search of my hopes and dreams. And that is, that is really sad. Um, let's see. We speak of them only to children. Later, we simply let life proceed in its own direction toward its own fate. But unfortunately, very few people follow the path laid out for them. The path to their personal legends and to happiness. This I agree with. That's, that's really... That is really a shame. We literally let life just pass us through year after year. Never going in search of what it is that we want in life. Because here I am, 46, just finding what it is that I want and what resonates with me the most in life. I have allowed life to just push me forward for 45 years. That's really deep. Most people see the world as a threatening place. And because they do, the world turns out indeed to be a threatening place. Exactly. Because you are, you, that is what you believe, so you're attracting that to you. So we, their hearts, speak more and more softly. We never stop speaking out, but we begin to hope that our words won't be heard. We don't want people to suffer because they don't follow their hearts. Why don't people's hearts tell them to continue to follow their dreams? The boy asked the alchemist. Because that's what makes a heart suffer most, and hearts don't like to suffer. From then on, the boy understood his heart. He asked that please never stop speaking to him. He asked that when he wandered far from his dreams, his heart pressed him and sounded the alarm. The boy swore that every time he heard the alarm, he will heed its message. That night, he told all of this to the alchemist, and the alchemist understood that the boy's heart had returned to the soul of the world. So what should I do now, the boy asked. Continue in the direction of the pyramids, said the alchemist, and continue to pay heed to the omens. Your heart is still capable of showing you where the treasure is. Is that the one thing I still need to know? No, the alchemist answered. What you still need to know is this. Before a dream is realized, the soul of the world tests everything that was learned along the way. It does this not because it is evil, but so that we can, in addition to realizing our dreams, master the lessons we've learned as we've moved forward, excuse me, as we've moved toward that dream. That's the point at which most people give up. It's the point at which we say in the language of the desert, one dies of thirst just when the palm trees have appeared on the horizon. And what's really crazy is that there is one lesson in my life that has been that has come over and over. And I won't say lesson, I will say test. There's one test in my life that's come over and over and over again that I feel that the Lord gives me a reprieve from, but I still have not passed that test. And I feel like this year has it has come back upon me. And this time so much has been removed. So that I I guess maybe it's a, a do or die situation 
because so much has been removed this time so that I have to pass the test. There is no way else. There's no, no other option. I must pass this test. So this is, uh, this entire episode right here is like an aha moment for me. Mm. That's the point at which most people give up. It's the point at which, as we say in the language of the desert, one dies of thirst just when the palm trees have appeared on the horizon. And I will say that um, a lot of times, you know, when you're going through trials and tribulations or you know, tests and things. A lot of people just, you know, pray and really want to be taken out of the situation. But I remember in the past year or so, I've been praying to get through because I don't want, I have prayed to be taken out of situations so many times that if you, if I'm taken out before the lesson is learned, I have to repeat that lesson. And it just dawned on me within the past couple years, my prayer needs to be, get me through to the other side. Because once I pass through, I never have to go back. But if I'm taken out, then I'm put back in. You see what I mean? So I just thought I would say that part. Every search begins with beginner's luck. And every search ends with the victors being severely tested. The boy remembered an old proverb from his country. It said that the darkest hour of the night came just before the dawn. Okay, so we are going to stop right here. Um, we are at 36 minutes in, so we're going to stop right here. Um, this this whole entire episode has been an aha moment for me. Um, just because it's, it's following, it's really following along with what is currently going on in my life. And um, once I get through this phase, you know, I'll come back and talk about it. Right now, I'm not going to talk about it. I'm just going to keep plugging along. But once I get through this, I'll come back and talk about it. Um, But it was definitely an aha moment. And um, let me know that there is another side. There is the other side, I should say. Um... And I am going to get through it. It's that he, like he said, the darkest hour of the night comes just before the dawn. So I feel that I am in the darkest hour right now. So the dawn is approaching. So this is why I have created many episodes that talk about persist. Persistence is key when you are trying to get to wherever it is your journey takes you persistence is key your journey is either fast or slow depending on you and what you believe if you believe bad things then that is what you will attract on your journey if you believe good things you that is what you will attract on your journey so just remember your the journey and the lesson and the test While the test may be uncomfortable, the journey and the lesson doesn't have to be. We make it uncomfortable because of what we believe and or because of what we don't believe. Either way. And I'm talking in riddles because I I don't want to give any examples. (laughs) 
because the only example I have right now is what I'm actually going through. So I will just caution you to, to, to say right now, if you're going through something, if you know that it is your second or third or fourth time going through something very similar, then this is a test and you need to make it through, not be taken out. So strap up whatever you need to strap up, strap on your beliefs, strap on your faith, strap on your prayer, strap on your affirmations that you can do it, you can make it through so that you will make it through and you won't have to revisit that specific lesson again. So thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate every time that you take a moment out of your day to listen to one of my episodes. You are helping me more than you know. Don't forget to add gratitude as a daily practice in your life. I promise you, your life will change once you add the daily practice of gratitude. You guys have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Babes Who Manifest podcast. I am your host, Luanza, a.k.a. The Gratitude Chick. Don't forget to subscribe to me on YouTube at The Gratitude Chick. Make sure to click in my description box for the link to paid surveys, manifesting merchandise, and much more.